Hello. Uh, as you know, we're going through the Gospel of John. Now we're going to look at the concluding verses of chapter 3, uh, which conclude in a way the, uh, jo the Joanna and the John account of uh, John the Baptist and link it to Jesus' baptism. I'll try to explain how um, as we go along. So, our text reads in this translation. Um, I think I'd rather have my text closer, if you don't mind waiting a moment. Um, uh, you see, after this, Metatofta. That's the way John says, I'm starting something new now. He has these kind of phrases. After this, after these things, that sort of a thing. You see, Jesus, which is what this literally is, after these things. Um, Jesus and his disciples went into the region of Judea. Now, when you read things like that, try to stop your brain and just the region of Judea and go on. Where, where are the regions of Judea? Where's that? And where was Jesus uh, up to now? Well, he was in Jerusalem. He just finished having this dialogue with uh, Nicodemus. Naktimon ben Gurion. And now he's going to move up into Judea. And um, so it says, Jesus and his disciples went into the region of Judea where he spent some time with them baptizing. Now, this is very interesting. Jesus is baptizing with his disciples. Now, see, John's baptism was a prophecy. I baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me, you know, who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and in some text and fire. Now, what John is prophesying uh, alludes to a whole tradition in the Old Testament. Again, notice I used the word tradition. Um, it's very important that we grasp this um, so that um, we can, excuse me, I'm looking for something. Okay. Uh, his baptism was a ritual probably over, you know, looking a lot like the uh, pre-entrance into Judaism on the part of a proselyte, a ritual, a bath. Now, the Baptist is getting the people ready for the stronger one to come. And uh, they're going through this rite and resolving to... Uh, Accept their Israelite vocation. That's what he's calling them to. Remember in the synoptics, who taught you to flee from the wrath to come? Show forth fruit worthy of conversion. He said that to the scribes and Pharisees. And so, um, here, John is baptizing. Now, what he says, as I think I've already mentioned to you, he says, I baptize you with water, but there's one coming after who's going to baptize you 
with the, the Holy Spirit. Now, what does that mean? See, he's referring to a whole tradition, again, in the Old Testament. I will pour out my Spirit on the desert, it says in Isaiah. And then uh, the, the text of Jeremiah, you know, I will put my law in your heart and I will sprinkle clean water over you and I will cleanse you from your uncleanness and your idols. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit and I will put away the heart of stone and so forth. You see? Now Ezekiel picked that up, made it more explicit, saying, you see, um, that he's going to pour out his spirit Lish folk most of the time. And um, this got to be a theme. The other prophets picked it up. What does it refer to? It refers to that definitive moment when God makes good on all the promises made to Abraham. And it's called, one of the key expressions for saying that is, pour out the Holy Spirit. So John's ritual Besides being a conversion rite, is a prophecy. It's a prophecy concerning the one to come. And so he says, I baptize you with water, but the one coming after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, meaning he will pour out the Spirit over you. In other words, he will be the agent of the final eschatological moment of the completion of God's plan for salvation. That's who, he'll gonna, that's who he's going to be. So be alert. The one who comes after is not just another prophet. He is going to affect this, the baptism in the, with the Holy Spirit. You see, not just water, with the Spirit. And that refers to all these texts. Um, there's, um, oh, there's just too many to count right now, but they're there. Um, they might even be listed in the margin of the Bible of Jerusalem where they keep those things. But for us, we have to move on. And so, the text here says oh, that Jesus was also baptizing. What happened? He continued the ministry of John, but on another level. And he was getting ready, you see, because the full baptism in the Holy Spirit only happens at Pentecost or from the cross, according to John, um, when the Holy Spirit is poured out from the risen, crucified and risen uh, body of Christ. And so that's what uh, is going on there, you see. So Jesus is baptizing, not exactly like John, but in the line of John, to prepare the people for what he has begun to do, but has not completed and will not complete until the act of love in which he dies. And then, according to John, he handed over the Spirit. The full manifestation of this gift, this pouring out of the Holy Spirit, happens in Acts. And if you look at Acts, I think it's 2.38, and having been raised to the right hand of the Father and received the, Holy, the promised Holy Spirit, he poured him out. And that's what you see in here. The tongues of fire, the wind, all of us speaking in different languages, the wonders and signs you see, 
This is the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus had an interim type of ministry. You see, already identifying people with his passion. You know, remember when our Lord went down into that water from the baptism of John, he was committing himself to his whole vocation, which he knew meant death. And he knew that. And he was committing himself to carrying through with his plan of the Father all the way to his crucifixion and death. In fact, he says at one point, if you might remember, uh, I, um, I hope I can find it for you now, uh, I am to be baptized with a baptism and how I am constrained until it happens. Now that baptism, you see, I have come to bring fire in the earth and how I wish it were blazing already. There is a baptism I must still receive and what constraint I am under until it is completed. So the baptism that he, for a while at least, in John 4.1 it says Jesus wasn't baptizing, probably means he desisted from that point on and only his disciples baptized. But they were continuing John's preparation ritual, but at a deeper level, and getting ready when you have statements like this, about being baptized like this, you see, it's getting them ready to understand that baptism, in the true sense of the term, is identification with Jesus in his death and resurrection. And that, of course, is Romans 6. It's the whole teaching of Romans 6 is on that point. So, what we have here, you see, is this, uh, uh, I needed to go through all that explanation to explain why Jesus was, was baptizing, okay? Now a dispute arose between the disciples of John and a Jew about ceremonial washings. They came to John and said, Rabbi, the one who was with you across the Jordan, that's Jesus, to whom you testify, here he is baptizing and everyone's coming to him. Now just try to understand the love of John the Baptist for Jesus. Here's a man lived in the desert, ate locusts and wild honey. You know, not very appetizing to us, but not bad for the Bedouins. I mean, that, but it's still not great. Okay, and uh, now he's going to tell them. You see, um, John answered and said, "No one can receive anything except what has been given him from heaven." Everything I have has been given to me. The power of my preaching, my courage in resisting Herod, which will cost me my life. You see? But I had to do that. I had to protect God's people. If nobody says that's wrong, everybody will go do it. That's the power of law and custom. So I've got to stand there for the sake of God's people and say, Herod, you're sinning. Even though I know it will cost me my life. So, um, you yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but that I was sent before him, the one who has the bride. Now listen, here's this tough man living in the desert, eating locusts and honey, dressed in camel's hair, baptizing, preaching, threatening. You don't change, you're finished. It's all the big shots. Taking on Herod himself. He's a tough guy. But look how he compares himself. 
Now you see the inside of John the Baptist, who is the last of the prophets, the last of the Old Testament prophets. You see, the one who has the bride is the bridegroom. That's God. That's Christ, the bridegroom of the people. The best man who stands and listens for him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made complete. He must increase, I must decrease. Can you hear the love of John for Jesus? I'm happy to lay down my life. I'm happy to bear witness to him. I love him. I rejoice like the friend of the bridegroom rejoices to hear the bridegroom, alluding to the time when the bridegroom is coming back from the bride's house, leading his bride, accompanying his bride, rather, uh, back to his own house. Now the marriage is just about complete. He hears the bridegroom's voice, he's coming, and the friend is delighted. The beloved is going to have his beloved. And John, that's the, that's the symbol or the image that John evokes for himself and Jesus. I'm thrilled. He's coming. He has the bride. He has the people. And so now he is their bridegroom. And I'm delighted. And that's what he says. He must increase, I must decrease. That is Old Testament prophecy saying, from now on, I foretell. I have a role of making the Christ intelligible. But he must increase and I must decrease. Amen.